childhood shall thou see red the night Dusky sky, bloody death, didst thou die? We pray to a moon, she is round Not with us, will then abound both thorough and flippant. We're reading Frank Herbert's 1965 sci-fi magnum opus Dune, two chapters at a time, uncovering connections and Dune spiracies along the way. Great, and who are you? How'd you get on my computer? Well, I'm the, I'm one of the hosts here tonight, the keeper of beverage orthodoxy, the Dr. Reverend Mother Lillian Banana Moyham Brislin. And I I came to kick ass and take names, and I'm all out of names. Great. I'm Alec Boyle, second co-host. I mean, Lily, you're clearly the star. Uh, That's literally the only feedback I ever get about this podcast. It is what it is. Uh, I'm co-host, producer, editor, engineer, and theme song composer Alec Boyle, the Baron Harkonnen. Uh, I am not wearing a full cape tonight. It's a demi-cape. It's wild. A bolero? Yeah. A barren bolero. Yes. I thought you were going to say you weren't wearing pants. I mean... No, that's me. They're pretty short shorts. Okay, well, that's fine. <clears throat> I uh, I am Josh Stevens, our fearless troubadour, the gurney Halleck of this podcast, and of a former live-off group on fame. And uh, I'm excited to be here today. In fact, I might be the only one excited to be here today. Prove me wrong. <laughs> That's a lie. Yeah, I, you're the Baron Harkonnen this week. You are our cruel taskmaster. <laughs> no, he's the Paul of this week. He's a sad, sad boy. But it's okay. He's got a terrible purpose. We're going to uncover it uh, and plummet steps. It's moist, moist depths, because that's what we learned this week. That's All sad because you just said moist so many times. Moist. <laughs> I don't know. People sure at the end. It doesn't sound as <laughs> what if she said moist chone? Oh boy. Sad again. All right, well, Josh, uh, let's review Frank Herbert's 1965 sci fi opus. I said magnum opus because it's definitely his biggest work. Isn't that a know. bottle of wine? A magnum? A magnum. Yeah. No, like, oh no, that's. It would be like a magnum of opus one. That's. Oh, that's a dumb name for a wine. <laughs> I am mad at that. <laughs> that was like that was like the most expensive bottle at Wildfire. Um, I feel like 
the more expensive a wine gets, the more it's all about just marketing to douchebags. Mm. So. Oh, 100%. It's fucking rotted grapes. Uh, I just taught about Levi Strauss's tripartite of the raw, the cooked, and the rotted for the anthropological food nerds out there. Anyway, grapes are just rotted. Uh, wine is just rotted grapes. But I do think that there's a point in your life, uh, certainly where my gastrointestinal system could not handle below a... I'm going to say a, a four-digit price tag, and by that I mean, like, anything $10.01 or higher I can do. Below that, just reflex city. $9.99. You know, uh, it's borderline, right? It's that two cents. It makes a difference. It's that two cents. It makes a difference. You got to get that two cents. It's, it's, it's the two cents that keeps the um, pyloric sphincter in check. Speaking of sphincters... <laughs> <laughs> Were there any sphincter tents this week? No, what do we read? So we are now in our... We're, we're in week There was a three. water bag. I'm pretty sure that water bag had a sphincter. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Week three of our weekly cycle. Thank you all for joining us. And so we're just doing two chapters, previously three. Let's do a quote in a 30-second rundown. Let's get into it. I don't want to read this quote. I'm going to make Alec do it. I'll read the quote. I thought Josh already volunteered. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Oh. My father, the Padishah Emperor was 72, yet looked no more than 35, the year he encompassed the death of Duke Leto and gave Arrakis back to the Harkonnens. He seldom appeared in public wearing, other than a Sardaukar uniform, and a Bursig's black helmet with the Imperial Lion in gold upon its crest. The uniform was an open reminder of where his power lay. He was not always that blatant, though. When he wanted, he could radiate charm and sincerity, but I often wonder in these later days if anything about him was as it seemed. I think now he was a man fighting constantly to escape the bars of an invisible cage. You must remember that he was an emperor, father head of a dynasty that reached back into the dimmest history, but we denied him a legal son. Was this not the most terrible defeat a ruler ever suffered? My mother obeyed her sister superiors when the Lady Jessica disobeyed. Which of them was stronger? History already has answered. From In My Father's House by the Princess Irulan. I do think it's really fascinating in that quote, basically, that she's like, yeah, my dad had like 40 wives, but the Benny Jesuit decreed that none of them in an acceptable position would provide him with male children. I'm always messed up by this. I'm always messed up by like, despite the like, loving the Benny Jesuit, the whole, the whole vibe, it's still in service to a highly patriarchal culture. And I can't get with it especially now that i'm teaching like this semester i'm also in on a gws course which is just going to color the rest of these episodes so strap on your big girl um none of us and probably only certain elements of the audience understood what you just said so (laughs) why don't you explain it Big girl pants are what you put on when you're getting ready to fight the patriarchy (laughs) is that what was confusing gender and women's studies Patriarchy is a system by which uh, no, males and those viewed male people with male bodies and those seem to be, have it male bodies dominate all social, economic, and cultural systems. Are you are you woman explaining to us right now? Yes. I just assumed GWS was some farm shit. I didn't understand. Oh, normally that would be the case, but no. 
Yes, I'm co-teaching a gender and women's studies course, which is why I'm like, Betty Jesuits, why are still why are you still perpetuating a patrilineal line when all genetics point us to its actual mitochondrial DNA, which you would think old Frankie Herbert would be all about, like, oh, it's about race memory that's carried through the mitochondrial DNA, and then that's passed down through the female line, not the spermy sperms. Um what so I'm asking this question, but I don't expect either of you to know the answer. When did foundation Do you know I haven't read it? That's okay. It's Asimov and odd. For not but, books yeah. that I love, but. I've read a bunch of Asimov, but not that one. Um. Okay. Anyway, because I feel like a lot of the way that the Benny Gesserit operate sort of reflects this like way that the foundations operate, and I wonder if it was inspired by it, right? But where the foundations, the whole idea is like anyone who tries too strongly to get out ahead of history deforms history by virtue of their place and so the Bene Gesserit <laughs> have actively chosen to remain undervalued in order to be able to maintain direct control over history that's true they do mention that they try to sit back because they don't want to act like a threat but I mean this whole patriarchy is definitely their plan and will because they could certainly change it if they wanted to um the first foundation story came out in 1942 so definitely herbert had read it this is fascinating now i have to read this okay so anything else from the quote uh so which do you uh, think so was strong well I, mean, I okay so um not a world's collide but kind of my dad called me and gave me more notes on the podcast uh in between episodes <laughs> all right mr Tremble, and a wild ride one of the things he said was that he just he thinks we underestimate the extent to which um and i'm editorializing here at least by the end arulan really did sort of become a atreides booster and so in this quote, she is boosting the Atreides. Sure, I've kind of gotten that feeling. You've been the one that's been hardcore on, I mean, with lines like, uh, you know, books, you know, about the only person she hated more than, you know, Paul or whatever. So. This is probably my influence. I think, I think it can be both, right? She can both um, be a booster of the Atreides dynasty and have a lot of deep-seated personal resentment of Paul. Hmm. Right? I haven't, or, I haven't really it, seen is that it a in here yet. Further Dune Benny Jesuit conspiracy where, like, you stay in line with those in power. Oh. So, like, on one mm. face, you say, like, oh, yes, mm -hmm. Atreides. Our platform is, our platform from the next dynasty is support the Atreides. When in reality, like, you are crushed. Because what we know is that... We don't need male bodies to reproduce the patriarchy. Women do just do a really great job on their own. As as uh, we are recording this during the week of the Republican National Convention, I'm just that's where my is <laughs> coming from. Like, I mean, you're saying she's towing the company line, that that big Jesuit company line. I'm saying that she knows what side her bread is buttered on. If we're going with, if we're playing this tape all the way out with the where is your line on the pro anti treaties, I, I think she's like, well, it is what it is. <laughs> when it comes to the Atreides dynasty and sure yay um but us in reading the quotes like there's some real shade and like there's some real critique here so I think there's also been a lot of she is the Kellyanne Conway the Atreides dynasty I mean she's the one that keeps saying you know the the, the father's uh 
was the father was underrated as a father or whatever. The mother's uh, abilities were underrated. You know, she's the one that keeps saying that the Atreides are better than everyone thought. Yeah, all right. I, it has some weight. I'm not discrediting this theory. I'm just trying to trouble it. Yeah, no, I think it, that's the whole point of this podcast. Sure. Both thorough and flippant. At gone J-A-B-B-E-R. Hit us up. We have a Twitter now, too. I set that up. So. And it is? At, at gone. It's actually at G-O-M underscore J-A-B-B-E-R. Um, but if you search Gom Jabber, you'll still find us. And podcast is in the name of that, too, right? No. No? Oh, nope, you're drunk. And the email actually, I'm address? pretty sure me yes. and Lily are the drunk ones. Yeah, I'm... T- all right. Definitely so who? Yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Sam and Jamis. Thirty seconds right now. Jamis. All right, I'll do it. Thank you. Uh, Excellent. Um, uh, Paul fights Jamis for forty to fifty pages. Um, <laughs> although I think that's actually kind of the point because during the fight, the Fremen keep being like, "Hey, quit fucking with him. Just stab him." Well, the, the first uh, twenty pages you forgot was where Jessica is trying to dissuade everyone from this fight happening right and actually there's some kind of cool stuff there right because like at one point she starts to think about voicing Jamis, and Jamis is like it's witchcraft (laughs) uh in which i think he was both he was wrong in that what he thought was happening was not what was happening but yes it was witchcraft right like he didn't understand what he was afraid of but he was right to be afraid I like that, Alec. I feel like it's fun. I want to believe that's true for me a lot of the time. Like, <laughs> what are your opinions of uh, of Jameis? He's just—he looks like a man. I think he's fine. I mean, it made me interested in who's going to play him in the new movie. Hmm. I like actually a decent amount of like Stilgar's talking in this chapter about mm-hmm. basically how he wrangles a bunch of horny, irate, thirsty people in the desert. Right, and Jessica and you, appreciates it, yeah. Yeah, you have to, like, you know you've got these young people that are going to be aggressive and disruptive, and you need to both not let them disrupt and somehow shepherd them through into adulthood. Yeah, he definitely comes across as a rather competent human being, so. Yeah, yeah, interestingly, right, for all the time they spent being like, oh, God, Leto is so good at managing people, but Stilgar actually good at managing people (laughs) oh this is a new like slide on in the dm's daddy moment where like jessica they've been like making eyes jessica and stilgar are making eyes at each other we should say like jessica and paul are still they're out in the fremen they're not quite in the main town yet the word that i say siege which i'm not supposed to say whatever (laughs) siege I will say, hang on. During last week's, uh, how do you pronounce that? Josh kept pronouncing it just C-H. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't think that's correct. I'm you know willing I to bend. B-S. That's not right. I'll bend to like C-H, right? I will not accept that's good. C-H. That's good. <laughs> I was just trying to exaggerate. This is super upper Midwestern pronounce. This is like someone from Minnesota saying bagel, right? Or flag. I'm from Illinois. I mean, that C-ish. makes perfect sense. <laughs> I was doing that for your benefit, really just to exaggerate it. Okay. I like it. Okay. I could say yeah. CH. That's like, here's a funny story. Uh, my partner's name is Greg, and the young man that I was dating immediately before him's name is C R A I G, 
Which oh, uh-huh. in my Craig. Midwestern pronunciation was Craig. Craig. And I was dating Greg. Because I had a stronger accent back yes. then. And it was very confusing for all parties involved. Anyway, Paul and Jessica, they're in. They're in like Frem and Flint. They're and they're Jessica and Stilgar making dry eyes at each other. And then for some reason, I can't remember because this chapter bored me a little bit because all the fighting. <laughs> Jameis and Paul have to fight because Jameis calls him out. Jameis. I think that's the way. Jameis has just been mean mugging him since the moment he lost the first fight when they captured Paul him. Paul bested him. Yeah. Yeah, I've been dealing with my own personal uh, Jameis all week, and that's at work, and that's what's been kind of <laughs> getting me here. Uh, I wish I could call this person out, um, but uh, I'm going to have to play nice. Do you, though? kind of do. Can't, can't you claim his water for the tribe or their I water would, for the I, tribe? I really wish I could. Squeeze him like a Capri Sun. Uh, so, oh, also, um, I had a comment here. We were talking about Stilgar and Jessica making eyes at each other. Um, there's, a, there's a parallel here because Stilgar mentions that Jessica's too beautiful and it would undermine his authority if his men thought he, he was too concerned with pleasures of the flesh, just like the emperor and that beautiful gift. So I thought there was an interesting uh, mm-hmm. interesting parallel there, which also kind of reinforces that thought about was that gift uh, Jessica? Well, like, you have thoughts otherwise. Well, but like I admitted during the interim, right, like Frank has certainly been known to forget his own timeline. Uh, sure, yeah, we don't know where it's potentially said that this, you know, indicated that it might not be Jessica, but until I see that... That I'm writing. solidly I like this. I, Yeah, I like, I like this theory. Um, also, about Jessica, I want to bring up uh, why Alec Boyle's a dick. Um, oh! Is this our new segment? Alec eat a dick and die? We've been waiting for this, this this is, whole that is season. The yeah, you're going to sing the song? Can I sing the song? Please. Alec eat a dick and die. 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 You did the long version for us. I really appreciate that. For the first segment, welcome to our new segment, Alligator Dick and Die. Yeah, so, um, Alec, you know how you were talking about how uh, you really felt that every time Jessica was running out there on the sand and they were doing their Dune Dudes thing, that, you know, you felt like she was really out of shape? Mm hmm. She's fucking pregnant. <laughs> you dick. <laughs> but she's not showing. Matter. You don't have to show to have to deal with the energy loss of growing a human inside of you. You've ever been around a pregnant woman? No. You're a dick. <laughs> All, right. All right. I'll take it. <laughs> and that was alligator. <laughs> from laughing. <laughs> so good. I think that's all I had for this episode. Okay, yeah, that's fine. We can cut now. We're, we've done it. This is going to be our highest downloaded episode ever. So. I don't know. Pew Pew is pretty good. Pew Pew is apparently a blockbuster. So, um, so they fight... Uh, I don't know. I didn't... Fight, 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 fight. 
How many ellipses were in that fight? And James show. Um, I don't know. There was a lot of italics in this chapter. I didn't really analyze them too much because I only listened to it. Yeah. Basically, this does bring up that point that one of the audience members made earlier, right? Which is that the reason that the Fremen think off-worlders are laughably bad fighters is because they're all trained to use shields. And when you can't use a shield, you look real stupid. Mm -hmm. uh, which Paul more or less does for a long time. Yeah, he's slow on the parry. There were some good quotes to this, like just little fighting quotes. You're like, oh, this would be fun on a on a workout t tank top. <laughs> um, the terrified man fights himself. And I was like, oh, that's good. Maybe, Josh, maybe you can use this in your work battles. Maybe I can use mm. Just let him, let him be scared. You know, it's like that moment, mm -hmm. and y'all watch um, 30 Rock, where the boss man is negotiating with his nanny. Yes. And, um, yes. and she's just like... I never really understood the lesson of don't negotiate with yourself until I watched that episode of 30 Rock where she, he like proposes something and she just kind of peels an orange is like... I've also, based on that 30 Rock, used that technique quite successfully. <laughs> it's, it's Somebody priceless. proposes something, just don't say anything. Yeah. Wait till they come back with their second right, offer. so what do you want to do about it? Right? <laughs> just, I can wait. <laughs> it's amazing. So the it's terrified man fights himself and he sort of, because Paul is doesn't isn't adept at this mode of fighting but he's good enough that in some ways Jameis fights himself and then mm -hmm. i just thought i didn't know what to think of this quote but i underlined it because i thought it was nice. keep the mind on the knife and not on the hand that holds it yeah that's like keep your eye on the ball i mean we've... yeah but you don't you can think you can i also you know watch the bulls documentary which i'm sure any of us that had affinities to Chicago in the 90s and watched the Bulls mm -hmm. document at this point. Funk on a nasty dunk. I, I don't know. I feel like you can fake with a knife, but not with your body. Interesting. That's a, yeah, I mean, let's, let's be fair. I don't think Frank was in many knife fights. <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't know that. I'm just saying, man. we don't need to take Frank's thoughts on knife fighting as, you know, biblical canon. That's it's great. fine to disagree with If them. you have been in a night fight and you're a listener, <laughs> please hit us up at Gumjabber. We would love to know whether you should keep your mind on a knife or on the hand that holds it. Let us know. Jameis fell like a limp rag, face down, gasped once, turned his face towards Paul, then lay still on the rock floor. His dead eyes stared out like beads of gla dark glass. Is there anything what is to it? say? Well, what does it say about Paul that both Jessica and Stilgar felt an urgent need to run up to him afterwards and shame him. To be like, don't enjoy that too much, you little pervert. Yeah, that's <laughs> freak a leak. That is right, because all the Fremen are watching going like, stop messing with Jameis. Like, you're clearly better. But it was just actually, Paul didn't, wasn't actually better. And they thought they I mean, he was better. Him. He just wasn't so much better that he was able to just end it. Yeah. Sure. Uh, and then Jessica wanted to take him down a peg or two. And but said, so like, did Stilgar, did right? Like killing him? What's that? Uh, how does it feel to be a killer? Killer. I don't, that's not Jessica's voice. I don't like. If I were role playing, if I were DMing a Dune role playing game, and that was my Jessica voice, I would hope everyone quit. <laughs> um, I I liked that in the middle of that fight, Paul found out that it was to the death. He was, you know. Oh, what? What were you doing? Huh? Oh, <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um. That does... So here's my thing about that. You get the impression from the, like, 
jargon thrown around that the Fremen have several different styles of in-the-field knife duels, right? And Jama specifically chose the to-the-death kind, which does make Jamis seem like more of an asshole. Oh, I definitely think Jamis is an asshole. He's been a total dick since the moment they met. Yeah, I like he, the- I mean, he's calling out a 15-year-old boy because <laughs> he got the jump on him. To the death. To, to the death. That's such a good Assuming point. that this kid can't fight for shit. I keep forgetting that Paul's 15, even though he acts like a tween at every moment in this book. I keep forgetting <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. And you the, needed yeah, that reminder. Who calls out a teenager who's like, he's clearly an adult. He's had this whole long life. Yeah. Rest in wonder... R.I.D., Jameis. Rest in dickishness. See you, wonder... see you in the afterlife. End of chapter. You think in his final moments, Jameis was thinking about the uh, consequences of what's going to happen to his wife uh, <laughs> once Paul bested him? Oh, I really no. hope the Fremen don't have that culture of, like... Nobody tell her. What am I about to learn? <laughs> uh, it, well, we can just talk about it. It's not quite what you're imagining immediately. But it's also no. not great. Yeah, it's... You know... All right, this seems like a good place to take a drink break. Go saunter on up to your gom jab bar, make yourself a cocktail, and we're going to come back for the second chapter of this episode. Welcome All right, that was a second... short break. God damn it, Alec. <laughs> <laughs> Who's in charge? You Not are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Say it again. Say it again. What? Say it again. <laughs> no, I don't need to say it again. It's an un- it's recorded for posterity. The whole internet knows. All right. She said to say it again, and she used the voice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You are. Oh, fuck it. I'm starting this over again. Here we come. Alec, keep your goddamn mouth shut. Do you need a boop again? No, we didn't stop recording. Did you stop recording? I'll kill you. I didn't. No, I'm trying to get us into the second half. I will beep, beep, boop just so you see the things on my track. Beep, beep, <gasps> boop. All right, welcome back to the second half of this episode. Uh, what'd y'all get to drink? What'd you get to do in your little drink break? I know we heard from our sponsor, but what are you, what you drinking? Uh, I got a glass of Sauvignon Blanc from a vineyard in Temecula called uh, Masia de la Vigna, which um, doesn't mean anything offensive, but makes me vaguely uncomfortable. It's a very good <laughs> wine, though. Appropriate. I am drinking a uh, actual Capri Sun pack. <laughs> it's not a Capri Sun, but the, uh, my favorite cocktail bar and my favorite bartender have started putting out these like frozen cocktail concoctions for the summer here in Lexington during COVID. And you cannot see it uh, in internet land, but it is a blue, beautiful water of life sort of, what's the, what's ahead of now? Isn't they just it call it water of life. Yeah. Just water of life. Yeah. Just I water think life. Like, that's an actual co- like spirit mm-hmm. water of life, but it's got blue curacao in it, which I would normally say hell no to, but I know the bartender and I'm going to say hell yes to this drink. It's got a little chili arbol, a little rosemary syrup, a little tequila. I'm enjoying it. A little sweet orange liqueur is vital to a lot of cocktails. It just happens to be blue. The blue doesn't I'm just afraid fuck of anything. Blue. And Josh is trying to pretend like he has a cocktail right now, but we saw what his actual little drink break was. 
It was a rib. It was a, it was a baby back rib. <laughs> well, I'm also drinking this. My, I'm drinking my Dune bourbon. This is Gurney Halleck's uh, Bardstown whiskey. And I'm about, I don't know, I'm about two-thirds of the way through the bottle. I basically only drink it when we record. So So me or Lily would have finished it already. It's my, du- my Dune <laughs> no, drink. Like, must be oh, nice to be virtuous, sure. Josh. I wish y'all could see me sip in my pouch like like my my still suit. I'm gonna I'm this. Oh, it is your your case pocket. But you two would also be mixing, mixing. and I'm just drinking it straight. I've definitely drank. I don't mix bourbon. Yeah, what are you talking about? You talking about cocktails? That's what I'm talking about. (laughs) Oh, she can see the collective side eye that just. Yeah, where's the screenshot button? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying that you. You haven't been. You've been drinking your cocktails. Wasn't it last week that I drank, drank rum and then was like, oh, let me chase that with mezcal? <laughs> all right. We know, all have our it? water of life. <laughs> We've got one more chapter to get through this episode. Everyone's excited. Let's get into it. I'll read and the chapter offended. because I don't... And offended. <laughs> Everyone's excited, offended, a little bit inebriated. It's a perfect mix for a good party. Here we go. God created Arrakis to train the faithful. From The Wiz of a Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. How much does that piss you off as wisdom, Boyle? You know what? Here's the thing. It makes me think of Kyle MacLachlan saying it in Dune 1984, and I can't hate it. I, I just hear him being like, God created Arrakis to train the faithful. And I'm like, yeah, I did. But you've also whined about the other versions of this quote every time. They- I know. Okay. This is I, but I love. I want Alec to do all quotes in his Kyle MacLachlan moving <laughs> forward. It was really brilliant. Absolutely. So this is just yet another iteration of the booty or boot camp theory of Dune, where mm-hmm. it takes a shitty place to breed a superhuman. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we do. Here's I'm gonna look to Josh to do the 30 second rundown because I read this chapter in 30 seconds. Sure. Although, well. Does the theory play out? About the does, does anything in this chapter relate to the booty or boot camp theory? No, I, have, I, I actually have a, I have a comment. Okay, go ahead. But then I have a I have a rebuttal. I, this one doesn't bother me as much as the others. So. It's not actually about the quote. It's about the book that it comes from. Um, the wisdom of oh. Madid. Uh, does that remind you of any other book that we've read from uh, that she's that she's quoted? Sayings of Madid. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Private reflections are, of Moadib. I think the they're all. Of I think they're all the same book, and the name has been lost in translation. And so we're getting different translations of the same book name from like different, um, you know, literary sources. And it's all the same book. Those, those ones are all the same book. These are all just his sayings. <laughs> okay. The interesting theory. Although so, if capitalism still exists in this empire, I'm going to say no. It's just multiple iterations across different presses. But it might, yeah, it might just be repackagings of the yeah, same, right? Same. Paul only ever said 500 things, but there have been <laughs> 2,000 books released of them. That's my point. Yeah, I think, I think okay. this is all about translations that they're, you know. Because, they, I mean, they've even got, like, different spellings of Maudib and Maudib. <laughs> you know, really? I, this is, this is, yeah, look, go look at the, This is why we need uh, a deep the, textualist. Go look at the glossary at the back. You'll find them. I refuse. Um, I do want to <laughs> say that I do think that by, by couching this quote in, uh, it, God created Arrakis to train the faithful, it couches it more in spiritualism than combat. And yeah, maybe, maybe shitty places do make you more spiritual. That's a 
precept that's been observed by religious organizations going back millennia, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I don't know that it's true. I also am far less interested in arguing that it's not true. Um, This is an important chapter, because this is a chapter where Polly gets his big boy names. Oh, that's that's true. Um, It's also the second Zoom funeral I've attended today. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus! Josh! Damn, dude! Wow. <laughs> I wow. found out about, about ten minutes before it was starting, starting. That, uh, <laughs> that my great aunt had passed a couple days ago. Apparently, I didn't get the uh, the email, and I don't check my Facebook enough. enough You're so. not on your family family Slack channel. Hashtag death family. It just got. I think I just Adam and I just got left off the list off the email chain. Oh, so my mom realized you know, and texted me, and I was like in a meeting. I had a meeting starting at three o'clock today, <laughs> and I'm like. Uh, okay, it's it's seven minutes to three, and I also have a funeral at the same time. Also, am I going to go to a funeral on Zoom? This is weird. It's weird, man. Wait, did you do, like, the sitcom thing where you were, like, running into the meeting and then, like, leaving the meeting and changing ties and going into the funeral and then leaving and changing ties and going back into the meeting? No, I just didn't turn my camera on, man. <laughs> or you changed your whimsical Zoom backgrounds to, like... So, fun beach so, time to like funny story somber. there I had the one of like the beach with the palm tree and the waves like on like from like the classic. last time I was in a meeting and so I logged into the funeral with that playing in the background <laughs> and immediately turned it off so good <laughs> not an appropriate background aloha means hello and goodbye goodbye this so, is Josh's um, magnum opus <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that was, you know, contributing. Life and t- That's right. Well, Josh, do you feel this? Since this, this feels like your moment, you got a thirty-second. Break. Oh shit! I forgot that's what I was doing. Uh, yeah. So, um, this chapter is starting off with the funeral march uh, to James's uh, little funeral ceremony. And everybody kind of files out. Uh, I think Jessica makes note of how they've unsealed the cave. And they all head on down. I'm sure Paul's funeral dirge music was playing that we recorded many weeks ago. Um, and then everyone sits down and talks about how they're a friend of Jameis. And uh, goes up to the pile of his belongings and picks an item. And after everyone does it, everyone looks at Paul. And Paul's like, I ain't no fucking friend of Jameis. And then <laughs> and then someone else goes up and like mean mugs Paul and he's like, shit, am I supposed to be a friend of Jameis? And then everyone else goes up and then eventually, is, is it Jessica that looks at him? Or still someone looks at him and he's like, oh shit, I am a friend of Jameis. And um, and so he, he goes up and he claims the ballast set. Um, and it was a very nice instrument and it was a very nice moment where he claimed to be a friend of Jameis and talked about what he learned from Jameis's... Um, I don't know what do you want to call it, dumbassery, and then um, yeah, that that pretty much ends the whole thing. Everyone's uh, real proud, and then he gets does he get a bunch of water? He gets a I'll bunch just, of James's well, water. He gets James's water. Where does water. he get the water? Where do they take him to to put the water? Oh shit! I mean, this was a couple. Oh, weeks ago. I have something to fucking say about that. <laughs> well, you might have to step in for Josh because he doesn't remember what happens at the end of the chapter. Yeah, someone fill in fill in the blank here. Uh, they go down into a. They uh, take, um, so Paul receives rings that denote the value of Jamis's mm-hmm. water, or the volume, mm-hmm. uh, and they take the actual water in a, 
uh, Fremtech approved sphincter bag down into mm-hmm. the cavern um, mm-hmm. and dump it down a hydrophobic sluice into a big uh, uh, reservoir. My own, yes. my problem with this is my problem with this is with those rings that Paul gets to denote the volume of Jamis's water. All right, because let's talk about it. The smallest value ring that he gets is for three thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. Thirty-two does not divide by three. Why would this culture <laughs> have a three thirty seconds coin? They might have three one thirty seconds coins, but they would not so, have a three thirty seconds coin. They they could, and here's how. You know, like when people would like melt down their own rifle balls before they put them in their um, their musket or whatever. They could literally just yeah. make a coin of any size by like doing it on the fly. So, so you're saying they make a one thirty second ring, like a not one thirty seconds, but like a one ring that is equal to one whatever, and then it has thirty two marks on it, and they cut off three of those for Paul. Sure, why not? Um. So, but it's not just the rings. It's also, so they go down, they squeeze Jameis. They get his water. They open the secret passage. They go down into the super reservoir. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's Jameis. There he goes. <laughs> and um, I just want to brief mention that Jessica identifies. She's like, oh, she steps into the moist environment and she feels her wrinkles relaxing. If you are not a woman of a certain age, you do not know that feeling. But I can tell you all, it is real. I live in Southern California. I definitely know that feeling. I have a very supple face and I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, because you live in fucking Midwest. You live two feet from a river. It's true. It's like, yes, girl, we need that hydration. So, but they go down into the reservoir. They have a whole ritual where they're like, we know to the like 330 seconds of whatever, how much water we need to terraform this planet, which I want to return to. But even in there, in the hydrophilic, hydrophobic, sorry, hydrophobic measurement, the measuring thing itself saw the pointer stop at 33, 33 uh, <laughs> liters, 7 and 330 seconds dockrams. 7 and 330 seconds dockrams. That doesn't even make sense. Why can I do that math? No, that, like so it's, like, it's like seven and ten, basically. Like it's yeah, but it is weird that they divide it into thirty seconds, and it is weird that they have a coin for three thirty seconds. I bet you there's no, something in that book. They have three one thirty second coins. Now I'm getting it. But that's not what it says. It says that it literally says in one passage that one of the coins is for three thirty seconds. Because Frank, for some reason, felt the need. Here's a deposit. I'm going to posit that one eyeball is a pretty juicy morsel, and it's got three oh. 30 seconds, so it's worthwhile to have coins that are equivalent to the moisture No, this is like, it's like an imperial measurement thing. Like, it comes mm. up often enough that they're like, all right, yeah. we got to make a 330-second coin. coin. People are always five eyeballs stealing eyeballs. <laughs> Yeah, no, that makes that makes. <laughs> sense. Uh, Lily, you broke it wide open. This is why you are the star of the podcast. Y'all, I came for the pouches. Is that Jamis I hear? (laughs) (laughs) It's gone now. All right, 
What did we find interesting about this thing? Here's the first thing. Do you ever feel guilty Here's drinking, section. Out of, drinking a whole bunch of water or taking a shower? Like, I was taking a shower the other day and started feeling some real guilt about Arrakis. Oh, okay. So here's this. This is actually a thing. Because Emily, my wife, is from Colorado where, like, they do have to worry about water conservation, right? But I'm from Chicago. Whereas I was like, like, do you guys remember the PSA when we were kids where, like, the kid brushes their teeth and they leave the water running and the fish is, like, running out of water? I was always like, that's bullshit because the water just goes right back into the water. Because right. in Chicago... Water, water goes into water. But, it's but in Chicago, it's literally true, right? Like, your gray yeah. water just goes to a treatment plant and then right back into the regular water supply. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, that is not true, it turns out, in all of the world. <laughs> This makes me think that those of us in more moist climates, um, my father's always on about this, like in rural Michigan where my parents live. He's like, why do I have to feel bad about watering my garden? It goes down literally 20 feet to the water table. And then we, it's, it's like a thing. So in some ways we have a more like water is water. If it comes out of our septic tank and goes into the water table, that's fine. It's sort of like, it's always there. Whereas in, in the arid climates that these fremen are, the relationships to water that are shown here are like it feels different. I feel like people in arid climates feel like water is always going the way it's elsewhere. Because it, it is. That that yeah, quote, it is, but it's not. That quote came to you from in my father's house by the Reverend Mother <laughs> Banana Brisket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have I have no water discipline. I'm drinking out of a 52 ounce mug at the moment. <laughs> I don't feel right, that. But- we just installed a. I mean, by we installed this, I mean, I spent hours <clears throat> agonizing over, like, doing the PEX tubing and doing these things. A big-ass master bathroom. And it has got so much water, so many shower heads. It's a huge... It is technically a party shower, which is what I learned from my cousin, who's a contractor. Do I feel guilt about it? I'm in. Hell to the now. I feel no guilt. I take yeah, well, the, you're doing your part. Head. Right? The Midwest is literally drowning right now. Like, the we Great Lakes are way... We half the time. I need less water in my life. The, all of the Great Lakes are way above their target levels. Yeah. And your grass so is like, brown in L.A., right? Yeah, but that's because I don't water my lawn. <laughs> no, but everyone's is. There's just not enough water there. Uh, we actually... I was just telling Lily pre-recording, uh, we had a lot of snow this winter, and so we have, all our reservoirs are fine, at least in Southern California. Okay, Northern California. Much as I love water politics, stuff. we need to actually talk about Dune. So, okay, Lily, water <laughs> politics is the most book relevant <laughs> thing we've ever talked about. Dude, that is. Tell me about the waters of your home world. Oh, so this is the quote. If you love the David Lynch movie, this is a quote that opens the movie. Tell me of your homeland. Tell me the waters of your homeland. But she says in the book. Muad'Dib. Whereas in the movie, I'm so used to it in my head. I'm like, tell me of your homeland, Usul. Mm. Fake news. Lily, are you the one who posted "Tell me of your wet ass planet"? No. <laughs> or was that some other Dune account? That was someone way funnier than oh, me. I posted I a brilliant. Uh, why does the climate of Arrakis? Why is it the climate of Arrakis so desert-like? Because it's married to Ben Shapiro. Global warming. Oh right, I saw. That's it. You're gonna give me an all right? I made that joke up. That is a brilliant joke. That's that's amazing. That's amazing. You're right. Again, you're the star. Maybe it'll hit harder when it. <laughs> Global warming. You, Lily, 
Your Midwest is showing I can't tell which vowel you're using. <laughs> That's true. Jameis's funeral. It's a weird. You think they drank Jameson? What? I said Jameis's funeral. Yeah, and I asked if they were drinking Jameson at Jameis's funeral. No, nothing. Uh, Fuck you guys. I liked it. What was I want to? So Jessica's spying the whole scene. Chani and Paul are having a little. They're talking to each other. They're having their little moments. And she's like, I must warn him of these exotic, savage women. And then she has a moment where she checks herself. She's like, oh, that was weird. Why did I think that? Um, but also, and then she you questions just blew herself. something she's wide like, open. Huh? You just blew something wide open. What? Which is that at the end of the, like, the last line in the chapter is Paul is like, my mother is now my enemy. She's trying to perpetuate the jihad. But really what he means is, my mother is now my enemy. She's trying to cock block me. <laughs> He's like, I saw mom giving mean mug and chani, and uh, she's now and persona non grata in the Atreides Empire. <laughs> He's such a teen. Yeah. That's know. brilliant. Uh, you're so right. I love that direction. <laughs> So, but, so, like, even Jessica catches herself. She says this immediately. One of these desert women would not do as a wife to a duke. A concubine, yes, but a wife, no. And I got so overexcited. I was, like, scribbling the margins. Like, what the fuck, Jessica? Next line. Then she wondered at herself. Like, oh, did you check yourself a little bit there, Jessica? Because <laughs> I think Miss- you wrecked yourself. <laughs> or did you wreck yourself? <laughs> Have I been infected with his schemes? And then she saw how well she had been conditioned. I can think of the marital needs of royalty without once weighing my own concubinage. Is that a word that she made up? I'm with it. Concubinage, yet. I was more than a concubine. Yeah, that's a funny self-deceptive line. And Josh, this goes to your theory. In italics, I was more than a concubine. (laughs) Um, I just sent you both um, a a photo that I think you need to put on the Twitter and the Instagram. This was the funny thing that I saw online. Um, It's a little dental humor. (laughs) (laughs) The gum jabber. So it's a picture. Y'all will see it. I'll post it to the Instagram. I hold it in your mouth and it's one of those the most terrifying tool that a dentist has. It's the uber pointy hook and the pokey jabber on one stick. Yep. The gum jabber. I hold I hold in your mouth. The gum jabber. Oh, the gum jabber. It hurts so bad. It hurts so bad. <laughs> so. They're always like, are you afraid of needles? I'm terrified of the dentist. Like, are you afraid of the needles? You, like, the dentist, they're trying to figure out what I'm afraid of. I'm like, no. I'm afraid of jabber. you. And the gum jabber. Quit poking my shit. Yeah. Stop. Yeah, I don't care about needles. I don't care about needles. Needle that has a purpose. Quit it's, fucking it's, stabbing me for fun. Stop scratching. Scratch, 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 scratch. Yeah, I mean, you can't go to a dentist without them failing to make you you bleed with the gum jabber. I mean, they tried and they all tried and failed? Tried and died. I was trying to think of a pun before it got out, but... <laughs> um, I think that's all that happens in this chapter. We're at There's 55 minutes. There's one more thing minutes. I want to mention. Uh, okay. a love song, doesn't it? Chani, early in the chapter, Chani comes over and is like, essentially like, 
Hi, Mrs. Trinity's nice to see you. She's like doing the awkward teenager thing. And Jessica's like, oh, her thin voice came out in nasal, it came out nasal past the nose plugs. And I thought, oh shit, I never thought about like what, what talking with shit up your nose will make you sound like. And so really anytime we read the Fremen, we need to read it as if you were speaking like that. They all have desert braces, basically. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Um, I also definitely see Chani as sort of a, like, um, she's like a track and field nerd, right? Like, Ooh. she's like, she's, she's, she's fit, but she's probably kind of a dork. How many times Just like call her Mousy or Elvin? Like, this is my whole, Frankie's trying to make, he, she, Chani may be the original manic pixie dream girl where she's like super badass. She can best Paul in like desert warfare, but she's like holding his hand and like teaching him how to do things because he's just an awkward boy and she's just helping him. Because we didn't talk about how Paul gave his yeah, father to funeral. Well, he cried and everyone was aghast. Like it was shocking. It was the buzz all around the CH. And they could just not believe that this boy, who really was not that much of a friend of, of Jameis, was like really feeling it more than everybody. And Crocodile so uh, tears. It was uh that that really was an endearing moment for Because as uh, Jessica noted, moisture is the driving force of all Fremen. Well at the beginning of the the, the first chapter we read uh, today uh, she talks about how she's not even really familiar with water discipline. She's carrying around two liter johns in her pack, and everyone's like, "What the fuck's that water for? What, what's your intent with this water?" Uh, I don't know if we can uh, we can accept you into this if you're going to hoard water like that. I found that characterization problematic. Mm, I was waiting for that. I think it makes the Fremen seem like rubes. Because the Fremen, it's not that they do not cry. It's that they literally cannot cry, right? Like, they talk about how when Jamis gets cut on the hand, his cut seals up almost immediately because he's oh, evolved right. for water conservation. They also shrivel up sacks of, uh, of skin and bone. I mean, most of their water's in their catch pockets. So the, the to me, the idea that they would be odd by this flabby off-worlder leaking uh, mm. struck me as an unreasonable... Uh, when was the last time they saw someone leaking? That's what I'm going to say. I think you're right, Alec, and I think it's good to point out. And, like, Paul is just a big leaky bag of water at this point. Even Jessica mentions, just like, Stilgar goes through, he's like, you'll get used to it once you lose your water weight. <laughs> Which normally mm -hmm. I would be mad at someone saying to a woman, but I'm like, oh, in this instance, it's actually right. He's like, once you, don't worry, you'll still seem to be more comfortable when you got your desert body. Yeah. Yeah. But, but will they? Or is that like a thing that takes like, you know, 10,000 years of evolution? Mm, I have a feeling it's not going to take that long. Well, not in the fucking book, but <laughs> I mean in reality. All right, so Paul has all these premonitions of... Uh, great armies carrying yeah. his name and banners before him. Mm -hmm. He sees no way to avoid it. Even if he dies today, they're going to carry his name into the future. I often wonder, I'm like, is this is also back to my 1900 Ms. Cleo version of Paul's prescience, where he's maybe, he's, he's a smart guy. 
he doesn't have a lot of experience, and he's he has been. We've also asserted that he's a homeschooled kid, so he's got like that whole homeschooled vibe to him, and maybe his prescience and terrible purpose. I'm this is my new Dune conspiracy is that Paul doesn't actually have any seeing in the future superpowers. He's just got an overactive imagination and a very analytical mind that is projecting. We can all like imagine many possible futures, right? Oh, like we imagine them all the time. And Paul just thinks that they're magic seeing in the future powers as opposed to just speculation. And all of this, like sometimes I'm at the crest of the wave, sometimes I'm in the bottom of the wave. It's like, mm-hmm. so either you see the future or you don't. Like we all imagine possible futures, but only some of us have certainty about where those would be. I also mm. think there is a possible and possibly borne out middle ground, right? where Paul is better at seeing the future than, say, you or I. Yeah. But he does not, in fact, see the future. That's, right? like, that's what I'm trying to say. Yes, thank so you. Like, so, yeah, so he gets to this cave, and Chani says, tell me of the waters of your homeworld, Moadib, which he had seen before he ever met Chani, right? So, like, okay, that would yes. spook you, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I do not think that Paul is, in fact, very good at seeing the future, and a lot of the stuff that he thinks he sees does not play out the way that he thinks he sees Maybe it. he's just too good at seeing the future. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, Alec, you talked about how much you were excited about uh, Paul getting his name, so why don't you talk about him getting his names? Really, guys? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, um... Didn't we do that in the last, the last episode? Nope. No, no, it happens really. here after he's a friend of Jameis, and he, yeah. he, he he gives his water to the to the dead, and then um, he he becomes part of the right. And Stilgar's like, yeah. now you now you're blooded, you're a man. What will your name be? Uh, or no, he's like, now you're blooded, you're a man. I shall call you Usul, the strength of the base of a pillar. Mm-hmm. But that's your secret name. I've what do you on. what do you want us to call you? Mm-hmm. Um, and then. And then Paul, like, chickens out and is like, well, what if you called me Paul Moadib? It's 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 a weird (laughs) moment. He's like... He's like, I can't just be the little mouse. He's like, I still want to honor my family. And I'm like, well, why wouldn't you then be Moadib Atreides? Atreides. Yeah. This is is just further justifying my confusion over what the Duke's name is. And then you know how they, everyone's been calling him a man, a boy child, like a man child, man, mm-hmm. the boy who must be treated like a man. Then as soon as he gets his like bar mitzvah and his name, then at the end of this chapter, he sings a love song to, uh, to, to Cheney. And then Jessica's like, why is he singing this love song to this girl child? And I'm like, why is everyone obsessed with calling these kids? Uh, by these by these names, it's it's kind yeah, of yeah. Had Frank never met a teenager? <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. It it's is weird. weird. This has been a, kind of a weird thing. Uh, All right, I feel like we've we've uh, swum the depths of this water reservoir that were these two chapters. We've mm. killed some Jameis. We missed wind traps because this is... Every time I try to wrap things up, Josh, I'm like, we've come to an organic conclusion. You're like, I got one more thing to say. I got one more thing. One more... Okay, here's our new... Here's our new concluding segment of Gom Driver with Moody's. Josh, 
What's your one more thing to say? <laughs> wind traps. We didn't talk about wind traps. Wind traps were cool. They get like half a sentence in this chapter. This concludes. Oh, no, I got you know one what? more this, thing this, to say. This was, this was Skipsy ahead, Z Stevens. I was actually thinking. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, I was actually thinking. I mean, wind traps are in this, but it was not. Um, it was not the interesting technology that I was thinking of. I was thinking of. Of dew collectors. Oh, if you're interested in water capture, moisture texture technologies, capture capture technologies, join us next week on Gun Jabber, where Josh will have one more thing to say. (laughs) (laughs) Hit us up on Instagram. Someone's going to be on Twitter, hopefully. We do have a Facebook. Um, Send us your leaked dune photos. Send dunes as our, uh, what's the podcast that brilliantly does that? Let's get weird. Let's get weird. Yeah. Our other fellow Doom podcasts. Um, and we have an email address if you want to email us with your thoughts. It's the Gom Jabber Podcast at gmail.com. That's G O M J A B B E R podcast at gmail.com. Great. Later, nerds. Yeah, I Later, invoke Canley against both of you. What'd you say? I said I invoke Canley against both of you. <laughs> Thank you.